Do you want to do your impersonation real quick? <laughs> Which one? Any of them. You will die. <laughs> I don't think that's what he says. He does. No, he says, yes, he your does. soul is mine. Yes, and he says to Liu Kang, you will you die. Will die. <laughs> that was my impression of Shang Tsung telling Liu Kang that he's going to die. And <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Or can I do my other favorite quote? Do it. Those were five hundred dollars sunglasses, you asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Johnny Cage. He's the best, and he's pissed off about his sunglasses. And Goro just goes squishes them. It's really fucked up. I'd be mad too. That's all I got for you right now. It has begun. Welcome to the show. I am Scott. I'm Joe. And we are Just Another Movie Night, and this is Talking Trash. Talking Trash. Talking Trash, where we go through bad movies of all kinds. The silly, the surprising, and the shitty. All while asking the question, is this a bad movie? And today we are talking about 1995's Mortal Kombat. We have to say it right. Mortal Kombat. So, yeah. Um, here's the deal. I um, I want to start doing more themes on the show. So uh, we were talking about doing themes more often and having a month of themes. And I decided, like, there's a few things that I absolutely adore pop culture-wise. And... Some of those things are wildly uh, I that I just adore regardless of what happens or what they do or whatnot. And one of those things is Mortal Kombat. You love so, Mortal Kombat unconditionally. I wouldn't say unconditionally. I know when it, I could talk the shit out of it. You I, know mean, I mean, it doesn't matter what your conditions are. Overall, you will still love this franchise. You will, no well, matter the, what. The, the pop culture franchise in general, I do love. Yes. I love the characters. I love the games. I've adored this franchise for a very long time. So I decided, you know what? What better than to celebrate the 12th game in the long, in the running franchise that's coming out the same month? Why don't we do all the Mortal Kombat films? And so today we are going to start that. We're doing Mortal Kombat 1. 
uh, from 95, like I said, directed by Paul Anderson, who had to change his name to Paul W.S. Anderson, not to confuse anybody with the much better director, P.T. Anderson, <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, yeah. Uh, well, he always directs video game movies, this one. Well, this was actually his second film. So, yeah, uh, this, um, l l let's just give a, a, let's do a little flashback here real fast before we get into the film. Let's just understand why I under I love Mortal Kombat. See if we can figure this out. Because 92, okay, little Scotty brought to a bowling alley with his parents who decided to be like old folks and bowl <laughs> and not old having much to bowl. do. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you had that little league where all the uh, older people came and they brought their kids who had to sit there and wait. Yeah. Or uh, try to toss the ball. Well, there's an arcade. Luckily, there was a little arcade. Not much at this bowling alley that I used to go to. And right there against the wall was like three arcade machines. One of those machines was Mortal Kombat. And I watched a punk rock kid sitting there playing it killing people ripping their heads off and I said holy shit my life might never be the same why because you wanted to be a punk rock kid or because you wanted to play Mortal Kombat just because I saw Mortal <laughs> Kombat and I saw things that I had never seen before in a video game I mean to me video games at that time were much much simpler Mortal Kombat kind of changed video games in general they're actually the reason that the uh, video games have a rating system they they did they broke so many things and uh, also used human characters and uh, you know uh, did actual human scans and put them in the game which is a likeness of humans yeah they actually used very um, actual uh, recordings of people and put them digitally into the game and I had never seen anything like that before either. Um, and this was like a simple video game, right? This is like seven characters and not much of a, a, a like a game. You had to make it through a ladder, which I couldn't do. And also, each character had their own fatality and stuff like that. And you had to figure all that out. None of it was told to you at all. Yeah. Even moves. It was like hardly told how to do combos or anything like that back then. a lot then. of button mashing back then. Back then you had to figure stuff out and you had to get a magazine because we didn't have the internet. Like, mm -hmm. it was rare. And we had to, like, figure out all of this stuff on our own. And the first time I remember pulling off a fatality by accident. Kano wins. Flawless victory fatality. Was mind-blowing. I remember a bunch of kids were around me at the arcade going... Holy crap, how did you do that? I have no clue. You know? And I did it again. I remember the second game. I did it again with uh, over my friend's house at like a sleepover. And I was using Reptile. And I ate someone's head off. And everybody was like, holy crap, how'd you do it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how he did it. I can't replicate it. Uh, I, so I've loved this ever since then. And so I, that's, I think, why I wanted to tackle this so much. And also, when this movie came out, and I saw this in the theater. I remember seeing it in a packed house. And I just remember sitting near the wall where the speaker was right above me. Back back then, the uh, you had to sit under the speakers. You know, and uh, 
the theater didn't have that perfect middle seating. It was all over the place. You had to sit on the wall, look from a different angle. It was very awkward. And I just remember the moment that movie starts, this movie we're talking about, starts, and that uh, the song is called Techno Syndrome by the uh, couple of members of Lords of Acid who are calling themselves immortal. Uh, mortal something, I'm not sure. Uh, but that song starts, screams Mortal Kombat, which they took a sample of from uh, the the TV show. Uh, not TV show, the the commercial at the time for the video games because they were just starting to come out on systems at home, like uh, game systems like Genesis and Nintendo and stuff like that. And they were first coming out, so they started advertising with a screaming Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! And so uh, the guys from Lords of Acid kind of took that and sampled it and made this beat. And when that pumps out of that speaker in the opening of the, set, the movie, everybody jumped in the theater. And I think everybody at that moment went, oh yeah, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> like, this is just awesome. Especially in 95. When this is... Well, this is crazy. This is the fourth video game movie ever made, right? The the, fir- the fourth time that a video game was ever turned into a film. The first one we already did on the show, which is Super Mario Brothers. Name! Mario. Last name. Mario. Okay, what's your name? Luigi. Luigi, Luigi? No, Luigi Mario. Okay, look, how many Marios are there between the two of you? There's three. There's, there's Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. Mike! Mike! Up these Marios around the side. And followed by Double Dragon and Street Fighter, which uh, we haven't done either of those two, but we're going to get there. So, uh, yeah, this is the fourth movie, and I think that just the idea of you could have something like a video game turn into a movie was also kind of mind-blowing for kids. You know, just seeing that that interpretation, you know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah... I think the moment the moment this movie starts, it has it sets you up really well for what the movie's kind of vibe is going for, you know, and that whole techno, like just pumping soundtrack from uh, all these crazy bands at the time. Can I just uh, chime in mm-hmm. real quick? The film soundtrack went platinum in less than two weeks. Yes, yes, which is incredible, but you can see why, really. It is a huge pumping soundtrack that really, I think, I don't know what year Blade came out, but I remember the opening of Blade also had a similar crazy techno opening. The, just... the opening for Blade was just so freaking awesome. Uh, that came out in 98, so that was three years after this one. Wow, wow. Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate up hill. Yeah. So yeah, that goes to show you like the effect this movie kind of had. Now, we were talking about uh, Paul W.S. Anderson. He um, had just come off of his first movie, which was a low-budget movie called, I think it's called Shopping. It actually started um, a very young Jude Law. And what's really wild is a bunch of um, film producers had gone to Midway Games, which was uh, making this uh, video game series. And the creators, which was uh, John, John Tobias and uh, Ed, Ed Boone. And they were making the third one at the time, or they were getting ready to put the third one out. And so this guy came in there and he was playing the game and he was like, I think this would be a really cool movie franchise. But 
after seeing Double Dragon and Super Mario Brothers, every video game company was like, no. This, this video game franchise started on a whim of just wanting to do basically this guy's favorite things, which is like, like martial arts movies. Basically, he saw um, Big Trouble in Little China and it was like, Yes, I can understand that. that he, there are elements of that movie in here. Yes, uh, he he saw you know he basically uh, they took ideas and they wanted to make a film uh, like a like a video game franchise based off of famous movies, and they were trying to do Bloodsport, and they were also he was like, well, I have some really cool ideas for characters, and a lot of those were the villains in uh, Big Trouble in China, which you can completely see that Raiden is a spinoff of the uh, Thunder character. 100%. Yeah, and even some of the fatalities are straight from it. Mm-hmm. Which is fantastic. I absolutely love it. Now, uh, now, just seeing this first video game and making a movie off of that, to me, must have been a crazy idea for them because they really didn't have much of a concept. The concept is simple. There's a tournament between two realms, like Earth Realm and Out Realm, which is like, monsters and humans fighting and it turns out that on earth there's some gods and so you have these seven characters put into a, uh, a tournament for the survival of humanity that's it so, but it's kind of crazy because this movie starts out right off the bat right um introducing our characters well right off the bat we get uh what you were joking around about in the opening is um the death of Liu Kang's brother. Yes, and uh, all I can focus on was the actor who I think is fantastic. Um, the actor playing Shang Tsung is Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa. Here with details on season two is actor Carrie Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa. Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa. That's pretty good. I got it. Impressive. I got it. <laughs> I stuck the landing the second time around. Yes. And his. Act his face acting is just beyond compare. <laughs> I mean, he is bringing it. I was saying to you, it almost looks painful how he's delivering the lines. He's beating the shit out of this little kid, and he's delivering lines in between the beating. Um, yeah. and he's just with his eyebrows emoting. It, it's just fantastic. He he is relishing the role. Yeah, he is. And he was super on board with this oh he's balls deep in this role this actor came to the audition in a full like leather outfit that he made and stood up on a chair is that the coat that he's wearing i don't know if they actually used the one they showed up in that coat is rad (laughs) he showed up basically like you see him in this movie and stood up on chairs and did those lines wow and they just went well first off in the video game to, to to get this across even better is that He's not a playable character in the first game. In the first game, he's the main villain. Right? Yeah, I get it. Uh, and you have to play him as he shapeshifts. But in the game, he's an old man. Your typical um, kung fu legend you know, character, the, the mentor character in all the movies. He looks exactly like that. Now, this actor comes in looking like a motorcycle bad guy <laughs> from like all the stuff. And he came in there, and they were all like, yep, change it. So much that the video games, because of this movie, changed half of the characters going forward in the video game franchise. 
because the movie had actors portraying their characters way different, but they blew them away and they wanted to change all the characters following them. Like that's how that's how much this movie shaped some of this video game franchise and vice versa, which is okay. kind of nuts. Uh, so yeah, right off the bat, he is killing Liu Kang's brother, and we get to meet. We get the best line of all time, which is, uh, you know, uh, your, your, what does he say? Does he say right off the bat, your soul is mine? or? Uh, I think he says, yeah, I think he goes, your soul, soul is mine. It's <laughs> amazing. And he is just chomping this movie. He's every scene. He's chomping it. I mean, like, he's he just is. Yeah, he's completely in this. stealing every he is, sequence. He's in it. He's really in it. And, yeah. Uh, he's having a good time. So yeah, he was one of my highlights of. Well, you know, I know that I know that uh, basically uh, we you were pointing this out because the movie is using a lot of special effects for at the time was very underdeveloped of how they were doing special effects. You're but, being very kind. <laughs> well, for '95, things looked it was rare. To see Jurassic Park level effects. Everything was yes. very shitty. But I mean, you know, going back to what is it, 1984 with Ghostbusters? There were some better special effects back then. I agree with this. I, this is something like, we've always talked about on? with films. It's, it, it's this, and I and I know a lot of people hate this because a lot of people are the are kids of the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, we are kids of the 80s. Yes. Um, That's kids of the Huh? It's the best decade. <laughs> Kids of the 90s grew up with this and kind of hold it dear because it was like their first thing. And I completely get that. I know that there's a lot of 80s stuff that we probably give passes for the same reason. But in the 90s, they were trying to do new things and those new things weren't sticking. And I think the 90s was kind of a mess. There was a lot of great films that came out in the 90s, Mm -hmm. but a lot of this schlock, this special effect nightmare level shit yeah i mean like they didn't do a lot of special effects in like the thing you know with kurt russell um they they did a lot of practical effects practical effects um they did a lot of practical effects but the special effects they did use were even better than this you know like that was back then well i will say there is one big practical effect in this movie that i think is pretty stellar okay we'll just we'll get to that yeah we'll get to it but uh you know, a fun fact about the special effects, and the only reason I wanted to bring it up, because I think right here we get um, basically a green screening technology. Not, I don't know if it was green screening at the time, but they're definitely using an overlay of the background, and you can tell that the actors are not on that scene location. <laughs> yeah, that's very And so obvious. that's why I brought up the special effects here. And a very fun fact about this is that um, when they finally talked these creators of Midway into making this movie, uh, they had a list of directors that they were coming to them with ideas. And somehow they had seen this movie shopping that this, you know, Paul W.S. Anderson had made. And they were like, you know what? He's creative and he has some great ideas and he's really hell bent. He wants to do it. And he said he really wanted to do it. But the best part about this is he lied. He had no frigging clue what he was doing. But he was telling them he knew all the stuff about special effects. Mm-hmm. He didn't know any of it. He had to read books. He read tons and tons of books of how to work on practical, like special effects. And he was basically doing this movie 
like on a whim. He had no clue what he was doing. And a great fact is I know that the actor who plays Liu Kang is has been around in uh, filmmaking for a very long time. Yeah. And he actually was giving him pointers offset. Like, you know, what you do is you put your camera here. You don't do a wide shot here. You do this here. And he was virtually coaching him along mm-hmm. and giving him all this great stuff, which kind of is a shame when you see that, like, Paul W.S. Anderson doesn't use any of the actors from this film in any of his movies going forward. You think that some yeah. of this would have affected his filmmaking and it brought some of these people along with him? Yeah, well, we know that a lot of these actors have done okay for themselves anyway. But... um I get it. Like I feel like he should be using these actors later on. You think? In, you think you so? Know? Especially since this guy's helping him behind the scenes. You know, yeah, which is sure. kind of mind blowing that some of these actors were like, "Hey, no, do this. This would be really great." And the actor playing Liu Kang, whose name is Robin Shu, um, he he's fantastic. Number one, he's great. He is absolutely fantastic. Perfect his, Liu Kang casting. He is. Yeah, he's perfect. Um, but like he's carrying this movie, he's like doing a great job of it too. I, I mean, I you think, think he's carrying it. I mean, it's 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 his journey. Just... At the end of the day, like yes, it's a tournament, and yes, there are others involved. But because um, Shang Tsung murdered his brother, it, this is his fight. He this is his revenge. He needs to get this revenge. <laughs> I like it. So I like you're like no. You're going to tell... No, you're in the movie and you're telling the characters. No, this is his journey. This is Liu Kang's Give journey. him his space. <laughs> and he's a great martial artist. And I think it's he fantastic. deserves... Like, I mean, he has a pretty impressive resume, though. He's been in a lot of martial yes. arts stuff. Um, and so has, um, well, you know, Christopher Lambert, who we know is Highlander. But he's been in a lot of stuff, too. Yes. And I just recently found out that the, the uh, actor playing Johnny Cage, I asked you about him... Um, uh, he his name is Lyndon Ashby. He was in the Teen Wolf series for like the whole duration of the show. Okay, and we never watched that. Yeah, even though I love Teen Wolf from the eighties, um, but he's a, he actually has been. And they're all my point is he's they're all working actors. Oh yeah, you yeah. know like um, even Bridget Wilson, she's in some of the stuff we love too. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, because we're we started with Liu Kang and this is how we meet him. Mm-hmm. I think the opening of the movie pretty much introduces him right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of get a jump back and forth between all of our three leads. And uh, uh, the only reason I wanted to, I think one more thing about uh, the actor playing Liu Kang is that a uh, really fun fact about him, he uh, did not want anything to do with this movie. Uh, he thought it was going to be kind of mocking his, like a culture, his culture and everything like that. And uh, he actually was friends with one of the motion capture actors that were working on the video game series. Oh. And he said, what are you working on? And he said, oh, this game called Mortal Kombat. And he goes, well, that sounds stupid. <laughs> and lo and behold, he plays Liu Kang later on in the movies. Uh, yeah, when it came around to him and he was um, explained what this would kind of be and what the franchise was and that the games were becoming very popular. Mm-hmm. And also, this franchise has constantly been... Th- like an Asian-centric game where the characters and the heroes have always been of Asian culture. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people praise that. And I think that this actor saw that and was like, oh, this is actually kind of really embracing that and loving that. And so yeah. I think he signed on because of that. So, yeah, that's all I wanted to bring up with uh, him, this actor starting, like, coming into the movie. But, yeah, we basically see him wake up that he has seen in his dreams his brother dying wakes up in a room and he he has seen all that and i think that's where he leaves to go to i believe 
Am I right, Tibet? Yeah. I think uh, they actually I think filmed the location. Are, yeah. And, uh, I, I don't know if it's Thailand. I think it might be. Yeah. Let me see. Um, but he uh, basically we cut back and forth between other characters here. So I think we cut right into Sonya Blade with uh, her teammate Jax as they are entering a uh, basically a, a warehouse concert. <laughs> right? And I, I don't know if this is um, uh, one of the bands on the soundtrack. Uh, there was a couple of big bands on the soundtrack at the time anyways. I don't know if a lot of these bands are still... Um, you know, still playing, but I remember for a while, um, some of these bands were very popular. And I don't know if one of these bands was definitely a part of it. Well, there's but a lot it might of be like typo negative. That's why. Oh, thinking, okay. Because yeah, there's a lot of like metal centric um, music here. Yes. In the background, like a lot of heavy metal guitar and stuff like that, especially Which is during funny. the fight scenes. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I guess that's true. There is a lot of that techno, but yeah, there is some. Uh, heavy metal stuff going on. But I don't know if Typho, um, Typho Negative is playing on the stage at this point. Editor's note, it's actually Mother's Day with what you see, we all bleed red. But they entered this thing with full shotguns and like a SWAT team. Nobody at this concert gives a shit. <laughs> right? It turns out that Sonya, played by uh, Bridget Wilson. Bridget Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, another fun fact as we go along and talk about this, this was actually casted as Karen Diaz. Oh, wow. So the creators of the um, of this movie, they saw The Mask with Jim Carrey, and they saw Cameron Diaz in that. And just like everybody who saw Cameron Diaz in that movie, they were blown away by her, and they wanted her to be in everything. <laughs> and so uh, she looked like a whole other woman in that movie than she has ever looked since then, right? She, we always talk about this. Yeah. Year, right? Um I don't think that's really Cameron Diaz. I think it's a doppelganger. That's her sister that, that's gone. She like removed her and replaced her. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't look, I mean, she looked completely different, but they hired her for this movie and she was actually going to film this movie and got hurt doing the martial arts training. She actually hurt her wrist and they had to replace her last moment. One of the actresses that was almost going to be casted was Bridget Wilson and she uh, took Billy Madison instead and so when Cameron Diaz got hurt, they called her back up and said, could you please come and do it? Yeah, which is interesting um, because she insisted on performing her own stunts yes. in this. And then she ended up uh, breaking her shoulder. Everybody did. Dislocating Everybody got her severely shoulder. hurt during the film in this movie. But uh, yeah, she uh, not only that, she uh, flew right from the last scene in uh, Billy Madison. Back! What can I say, buddy? You saved my life. You don't have to say anything. I'm so proud of you. Uh, I'm still horny. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. You think he's horny? Come here. We got on a plane and flew right to the set and had a train on set. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh... Well, she had a lot of martial art artists around to help her. They were training her, and she, she like basically no training, just gets thrown in this movie. And you can see it because they really cut her fighting scenes down. Oh, yeah. She only has, like, really one fight she scene. She has one fight scene. There's another fight scene where the three of them fight some soldiers, but it's virtually her uh, knocking them over. Yeah, it's like a slap and you're done. But um, one uh, piece of trivia for Bridget Wilson is that she also voiced Sonya in some of the video games. Did you know? 
I'm, I'm sure it was not it was not one of the actual video games, but this one-off games. There's a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, like, um, separate games in the universe that are kind of mocked in the community. A lot of people okay. laugh because there's a lot of funny-ass stuff in there. I deserve your respect. Whatever, you do-nothing bitch. Well, that's true for um, John, Johnny Cage and um, Luke King as well, the actors. They also did that. They kind of well. did some stuff for the the probably the marketing after this and stuff like that. Yeah. Editor's note: It was just Mortal Kombat 11. They added their voices and likenesses to the game. Yeah. So we get Sonya, and it turns out her and her partner Jax are hunting. Well, not her partner. Her partner has been killed by a man named Kano, who is also a playable character in the original video game. But really interesting here is that the actor playing Kano, um, in the video game, he was an Asian man. And oh. in the movie, they got this actor. He's Australian. He isn't. Well, the actor is English. Yes. He actually has a Cockney accent, and they didn't, nobody knew this. And this actor actually, to the day he died, didn't tell people. He just went along with the idea that he was Australian. <laughs> Hello, baby. Did you miss me? Oh my goodness. And he used that to his advantage to get uh, parts in movies. He died very young, unfortunately. Yeah, he was 40. He had an overdose. Yeah. Uh, he he actually is the reason that Kano is the way he is in the games after this. Because everybody loved him in this movie. They thought he was really interesting and, and a funny version of Kano. That they changed every version of him since into an Australian man. Mm-hmm. Which is so funny because... Nobody knew that he wasn't Australian. And then they found out later on, they're like, you know, I'm not really Australian. <laughs> and they're like, what? Like, they had, they didn't, nobody knew. I mean, if I was him, I would totally keep up the charade at that point because it's cool. <laughs> and and you, can't, you can't think of Kano without thinking of this actor. You, can, you, you just can't. He I thought is, he did a good job. Yeah, he is that uh, filthy asshole kind of character. Yeah. And you just want to punch him in the face and he's doing a great job. It turns out that Kano has killed Sonya Blade's partner. And so she wants she's on hellbent revenge. And she has her other special forces unit, uh, which Jax is her um, I think commanding officer. I'm not really sure if that's the point. Jax is the only casting here that I feel like could have used a, a bump. You yes, know, I mean um... the the character of Jax is a dude. I mean he's like a dude he's like a big guy you know and i know i'm just going basically by the the what i see in the mortal Kombat games but he's a he's a big guy and the jacks that they put in this movie was kind of like a scrawny like no offense to the actor but he was kind of like not yeah he, he didn't has, look the part at all he has no part either and actually a fun fact about this was and you would have been very happy about this. They actually casted Steve James from the American Ninja films with uh, Michael Dudikoff. Oh, you know that no. big guy in those yes. movies. He's he's pro- he steals those movies. He's, we love that actor. Yes, in those we do love him. He got hired to play Jax. What happened? He passed away Fuck. right before the film started. Um, uh, I think pancreatic cancer. No. Yeah. Um, Fuck. Yeah, but he would have been perfect. Uh, yeah. he, he was a great that's, actor. That's that tragic. Guy. That is tragic. Um, yeah, and you can see that this movie is, you know, I always talk about movies that I love or I enjoy are always these accidental messes. Uh, behind the scenes of this movie, there were so many things going wrong, and they had to keep changing the movie. Uh, 
actors were getting hurt or removed and had to be replaced last moment. Uh, there were so many things like that. Um, yeah, this, uh, so Jax uh, basically has no dialogue. He has like a couple lines of dialogue. He has no scenes. I wonder how much would have changed if uh, that actor would have stayed or had been alive to be in this film. How much of the movie would have changed to, to fit him into the part? Yeah. Be especially since he's not in the first video game, but he is uh, becomes more and more a part of the franchise in the video games. And so I wonder how much they would have changed to get him in there. And if, if they would have killed him, that would have really sucked in the movie. Yeah, well, that's probably an, an, uh, like inevitable that they were going to do that. You would think. You would it think that... Uh, it wouldn't matter who they cast. You know, the character was going to die. But he doesn't He doesn't even go any further since it's a no, you know, like basically a bare bones part. Yeah. This character just doesn't come into the movie. He just stays behind. Yes. Uh, but yeah, Sonya's chasing uh, Kano. And we see that Kano has purposely been luring Sonya Blade into a tournament. And he is working for Shang Tsung. And so uh, Shang Tsung wants Sonya. And that this is something that I guess we should, we need to start talking about as this plot goes on. Why the hell Shang Tsung is helping get these people picked? Yeah. If anything, you think he would want Kano to kill her early and not have her join the tournament. But for some reason, he's obsessed with getting not only um, Sonya Blade, but our next introduced character. But b before we get to that next character, he virtually tells Kano, he needs her to get to this boat. Yeah, see, this is this is what I was going to ask you about um, since you brought up this scene. I kind of took it as like Sonya just got there by accident because she was chasing Kano. She She's like, well, I know Kano is on this boat. But, oh, yeah, so, we're not at the boat yet. But Well, yeah. I mean, she, she was chasing him. I feel like I was going to ask you, like, did she just end up there by accident or was this a whole thing planned? Because... I mean, everyone else seemed ready to get on the to go on this journey, and she was just kind of like running after a criminal. You know what I mean? Yeah. It didn't seem like she knew or had any prep for this. Oh no, she did not know anything about this. She was being led. What he tells Kano, get her. I want her to get on this boat. I want. Her, she's chasing you. I want you to get on this boat and her to follow you. Mm -hmm. That was his plan, which is odd. But then this kind of goes further. And the only reason that she even finds out is I think she interrogates one of Kano's men, which I think he's a part of the uh, the black, uh, I can't remember this, some kind of organization that, that they have that he's a part of. And she interrogates one of these guys, and that guy says he's going to this docks to get on this boat. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's basically there. We cut to now Los Angeles, where we get to see what I think one of the highlights of this film. We get to see Johnny Cage fight a bunch of guys in a, in a row. And it's actually well-filmed, well-shot, and it's a lot of fun. It turns out it's on a movie set, and Johnny Cage is actually filming a film, and he's doing a... This guy, the stunt guy doesn't fall when he kicks him. So he gets mad, and he shuts down the production. And we get to see that he is basically with a mock... The director of this film is a mock Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how much of this is true, but what I have heard or have read a lot of is that Steven Spielberg was a fan of the, the video games mm -hmm. and that he actually wanted to, they asked him, can you be on the set and do this one little cameo? And he said, yes, 
But at the last minute, something happened on one of his films that he was making at the time, which I don't know because he was making like two big movies at the same time. In 95, yeah. He was doing like uh, Schindler's List and Jurassic Park at the same time. Yeah. So I can't imagine they could get him. So they instead got a lookalike to do um, this scene. They must have really waited the last minute to do this. And I don't even know why they would have even gone through with that. But they even give that guy lines. You know, he doesn't sound like uh, Steven Spielberg. All right, people, reset. We're back in 15 no, minutes. I'm not doing it again. No, what do you mean you're not doing it I mean, again? I'm not doing Johnny's it again. Johnny's the last shot of the picture. Where are you going? I'm going to my trailer. No, you can't leave I'm going to get a gun. Then I'm going to shoot no, 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 myself shoot. for being Johnny, in your kill movie. Kill me. People kill me. I'll be back directing traffic. Johnny, don't leave me hanging up here. You're killing me, Johnny. I love you. Well, no, this is where the plot gets even stranger because we're now introduced that Johnny has a guest that's shown up and he has to go find out who it is. And it turns out to be his sensei. And he's reading a magazine. It turns out in the press, Johnny is being like smeared mm-hmm. as a um, like a bad fighter. And we didn't talk about this actor. You said that he was on uh, Teen Wolf recently. Yeah. He he's actually really good in this. And and originally, this character and what they wanted was not only was the first video game of Mortal Kombat really they wanted to get Jean Claude Van Damme. They wanted to make a, a video game series around him. But they also asked him to be in this movie as Johnny Cage because they could never get it to work out. You know, can I just chime in and say that I, as much as I love, we we love JCVD mm-hmm. and I could watch his movies through the roof. But I feel, though, that all this talk and stuff about him actually playing Johnny Cage, I think, I don't know if it would really work. Yes, he has the look. Yes, he can do the splits. Yeah. Yes, that you know he has the arrogance to him. But can he do an American accent and sound real about it? Because well, I, I don't, think, I don't think they would have even asked him to be an American. But he, but Johnny Cage is an American. He's an American actor, right? That's no, his I mean, not thing. necessarily. That's only and I and I gotta say again, I think this is another character that was shaped from this actor in this video, this movie. I because mean, I think that he basically was a, like a a typical character that looked like a white guy with sunglasses. You couldn't really tell who he was, and they, since they didn't talk yeah. in the video games back then, there wasn't any more to it. I mean, I you guess just you're knew right. that he was an action star. Yeah, I guess you're right. But I mean, even if they they did cast JCVD for this role, I mean, he would definitely steal the movie. I mean, because he already had credits back then. And again, I think that he would have. Uh, and <laughs> I guess we should just say this. Uh, um, for the month, since we're going to do the the Mortal Kombat movies, there's three of them. So we're talking about for the fourth one to actually go into the movie that Van Damme did instead of this movie, which is Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what happened on the set of, of the film, the set of that film is kind of legendary. So that would have been what was happening on this film instead. And thank God it didn't happen. Because I think this guy who's playing Johnny Cage is fantastic. He really just feels the part. And he is funny as hell in this movie. And uh, I guess we should say this too. Uh, Paul Anderson basically asked the cast to ad-lib. And so all of the great lines in this movie were all ad-libbed. <laughs> so when he said the 500 sunglasses, mm-hmm. he made it up on the spot. That's um, great. When he said, so getting to the scene... I, before I get to the, the great line here, or this great moment, uh, to get that further. In the, in the movie, the character goes to see his sensei, and he's sitting in his chair. And this is an actor, I believe, is in Deadwood. 
It's a really weird character. He's like one of those. Yes. Uh, yeah. It, it's a, a weird scene. I don't know why. And I wonder, I think I've heard that they asked someone else to do this, but they couldn't do it either. And like a big uh, martial arts person of some sort. And they couldn't do it. Uh, this is a weird scene because this guy tells him about the tournament of Mortal Kombat and says, hey, look, if you want people to take you seriously, you should go to this tournament. It should. It will set the record straight that you are a really great professional fighter. And he's like, where, where is it? And he's like, you have to be in Hong Kong, or I believe Hong Kong tomorrow morning at these docks. <laughs> yeah. And he's how in LA. To, how do you get to Hong Kong in like four hours? Yeah, it leaves from Hong Kong tomorrow morning. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> All right, he's got to jump right on an airplane like, right he traveled now. by map. He sure did. Um, so he gives him a scroll. And now we find out that this sensei guy is not really his sensei at all. But Shang Tsung. Mm -hmm. Which would lead me to believe that the only time he can ever turn into somebody is he has stolen their souls. So does that mean he killed his sensei? I mean, I guess so. Because like you said, he it's like, you know, the subject that is copied is terminated. So That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And I'm I mean, like, that's the laws of the of Terminator 2. So he's ki maybe killed this guy's sensei. And that for some reason is telling him to show up at the tournament. It's like he is picking Earthrealm's champions. Why? Yes, but yeah, how, how did he? I mean, he would have to be like, like watching these these people, you know, checking yes. into their lives. And I mean, he would know that looking. Okay, on the surface, Johnny Cage is like a you know mimbo. This is not good, but I'm fine. I can deal with this. Action and, star. And I guess that's why he would say, oh, get this guy because he's so greedy. He won't be able to fight in the tournament without being like a self-absorbed asshole. I mean, yeah, he's arrogant. And for Sonya, he, he's like, oh, she's ruled by her revenge, so she won't fight for Earth. Yeah. But like, then, it, uh, you know what? If you, if Shang Tsung's going to pick somebody, he should have picked me to fight in this tournament. I would be dead in an instant. Like... <laughs> I mean, you don't pick professional yeah. fighters or like badasses. Well, that's another thing about Johnny Cage. Like on the surface, you look at him; he he's an actor. Yes, he can fight. He can do some kicks and splits. They say he's like, like a real professional, good fighter. Like that's I mean, the whole yeah. part of this. They would have to be watching. He would have to be watching these people and learning about their lives and stuff. Even so, that's but a why? Extra. Like, I don't know. like I'm saying, like they should have picked the uh, uh, the uh, Tony Soprano. <laughs> to fight in this tournament for then then there's no way we're fucked you know could what i mean had like ellen ripley they could have picked any joe schmo they could have got the director of the johnny cage movie that's being filmed here that steven spielberg character they could have got him <laughs> he would have lost yeah he's oh like johnny baby he can't even get he can't even get johnny to listen to him let alone fight for earth realm i know so if, if johnny with his his matched luggage so yeah, now remind me is, of Princess Vespa. We jump right into that, and I'm glad you brought it up because that's the the great stuff that happens here. Is we find we follow now that everybody has all met up at this Hong Kong dock to get on this mysterious uh, boat. Okay, can well, we talk about the boat? Well, before the boat shows up, let's just talk about Johnny Cage shows up with master luggage. He basically has fifty bags. Your Royal Highness's uh, matched yeah. luggage. He, He's got so many bags that he actually stops Liu Kang as he's walking by and says, hey, can you take one? The boat shows up. Can you take my bags on here onto the boat for me? And he goes, you want me to take your bags onto the boat? 
And he's like, yeah, I pay, you put them on. And he cans him money. Liu Kang takes his money, takes his bags, and throws them right in the ocean. I mean, it's incredible because, like, what an asshole assumption. Yes, what an asshole assumption. <laughs> but then the ad-libbed line is, well, I'm glad I didn't ask him to park the car. I mean, which is another great, I think, a really funny that was. It's a perfect line. I, I don't know... I'm glad that this actor came up with so many I mean, moments. his Lyndon Ashby, he, he's great. He's great. He really is. Um, and we see that everybody is at this dock. And then we also meet an, another character who uh, Johnny Cage goes and sees. He's reading a newspaper that has a whole thing on the front that Johnny Cage is like a fraud. Yeah. And he's like, this is bullshit. And uh, that he's, and he realizes the guy that he's taking the, the, the newspaper from is a professional fighter. Uh, he's like, oh, I've seen you fight. You're amazing. And he's like, that's why I'm joining this tournament. And uh, he's like, I've seen a bunch of your films. I know that some of those moves couldn't be pulled off in special effects. I know you were doing them. And he's like, that's why I'm here, too. I want to prove you know, that I, I'm actually a good fighter. Now, this is the shadiest shit ever. Apparently, this is supposed to be a professional fight. There's This dock is hilariously suspect. This is like a night at... This is a dock at night. Yes. With iron welders shooting, like, welding stuff all over the dock? What are they even working okay, on Okay, so it looks like they're building, like, or maybe they're sealing some kind of containers. Or, okay, it's not clear. It has clear. nothing to do with the tournament. It has nothing to do with it at all. This like, is just the, uh, and it looks like, and this is funny, it's Hong Kong, but they're completely white workers. Yes, they are. Yeah, they they're, are. They're not they're, Asian. They're not Asian you know, at no. all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, I mean, they 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 skipped over that detail. But you <laughs> know, it just kind of just didn't give a shit. But um, can we talk about how beautiful this boat is? Like, so the boat shows up through the fog. Yes, I am like obsessed with this boat. Yeah, it's like a Viking meets dragon. Yeah, but it also looks like the symbol, the Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I guess the symbol. front of it is the symbol. Yeah. So like when it like rolls in, I was like, wow, I wanna... like it looked like a crazy one eye Willie like pirate ship, you know. But for Mortal Kombat players, you know, like it was just really rad. Like I just I could talk about this boat all day. It was kind of like like woodwork. A little bit. It looked like it was made out of wood, like yeah. an old timey, like a Viking. Yeah, boat. yeah it was really badass. It was the only thing that would have made this boat more rad is if the eyes lit up. Yeah, yeah. Put some fire in them. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> I was all about this boat. I know you're all about this boat. You said I'd get on. I'd get on that boat regardless. I mean, I get on that boat. I didn't care if there's if I saw any monsters on it. I would be like, I'm coming. Here I come. <laughs> there's a lot I had to talk about with this boat. Because uh, plot-wise, I don't know what the hell's going on in this boat. But uh, before the boat, you know, everybody gets on the boat and they're all weirded out. Like, oh, this is odd. You mm-hmm. know, it came out of the fog. You know, which is weird because it just goes to a normal place. Uh, but Kano is in a shack of chains mm-hmm. staring. And somehow Sonya sees him with binoculars at night. Yes. Now, and mind says, you, they there are, he is. They're not night vision. No, they are regular binoculars. Yeah, and somehow <laughs> he's not even on the boat. You know, it looks like he's in like the 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 brig. Like if the boat had a brig, he's like somewhere down there. He's on the he's on the dock, in a shack. Okay, I don't, so I don't know it what's was happening. On here. the dock, it was. It is on the dock. He's not even on the boat yet. Okay, and then she says, "There he is." And she goes, I'm going after him. And Jax is like, don't. 
and she runs into the fog and gets on the boat that I guess Kano got on. I mean, I guess. And we just Jacks and just have one more shot of Jacks going. Don't wait. Wait, stop! Don't, don't do it. Murder. But like, <laughs> but like um. Like Willy Wonka when the ghost is falling. Help! Police! Murder! I just assumed that Kano was already on that boat, like that he was in there, like he was in some kind of like holding cell in the. But how would she see that? It's inside the boat. Right. I don't know. Maybe there she could see through the slats in the wood. But I don't know. I'm telling you, a hundred percent, she's he's There's not no... even on the boat yet. I he's mean... just she saw him through chains and sparks from the welders <laughs> coming out of the the chains. But you're looking for rhyme and reason. Well, like, you know. no, I know, but I'm just laughing about some of these <laughs> scenes because then this is even better. The characters all get on the boat. All right, and now Johnny, we see that Johnny has even more luggage than we ever thought possible, <laughs> and he brought it all on board. He literally has like I, seventeen bags that he himself are, he's holding he's them, carrying them all. It's incredible <laughs> that he's holding all these bags. This is like one of my favorite scenes. I think I laugh like obnoxious, my obnoxious laugh when he gets out of the boat. Oh, that's later. That's later. Let's stay on the boat though. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm jumping no. ahead. So. uh... <laughs> Okay, they all get on the boat. The boat is run by masked warriors, and they're actually paddling it. Okay, so no. this is like a Viking vessel. Yeah, but the paddles are like on the, the the bottom, like lower bottom of the boat, like you know, like an old time. I guess you're right. Yeah, so like coming out of the side of the boat, if you could picture it, like in the old old like Viking vessels, like like you're saying. Yeah. Like so that yeah, that's there's like a lot of paddles on the side of the boat. The inside of this boat is like Noah's Ark. Yeah. This is what I got to talk about because I, I'm like, what is happening? Okay, we see that a lot of warriors from Earth realm, apparently, the human warriors have joined Mortal Kombat's tournament. We see that a lot of contestants have got on this boat. Mm-hmm. We only see four of them. Yeah. So right? it's we get Sonya. The, Sonya, we got our three main characters mm-hmm. and this other gentleman who has joined them. And they're all kind of shocked. And... Sonya, well, uh, Johnny thinks that he bumps into Liu Kang, but it's actually Sonya, and he starts about to fight with him, and he goes, all right, Buster, you want to fight? And then he sees that it's Sonya, and of course, Johnny being Johnny, he's like, oh, hey. And then she's like, uh, she says, uh, (laughs) he basically says something, uh, and she she tells him, uh, I'm looking for Kano. And he goes, I don't know who Kano is, but I can help you find him. And he goes, I don't want your help, bud, you know? So she he, she basically leaves. It's just basically setting up the three of them meet, and uh, Liu Kang basically jabs Johnny. So the, I think the three he they follow her for some reason. Yeah, because they're worried about her because she just I mean she looks like a military type person. Oh, she's dressed full on SWAT, like yeah. dark clothes SWAT outfit. Yeah, and I mean she looks like she could handle herself, but obviously a pretty girl going onto this island that's you know a little. Little sus. Yeah. So they, they're like worried about her. Well, they go under deck, and now um, this is where I'm confused because there are no rooms. There are no uh, passengers. Suddenly, they're below deck in a room of chains again. Yeah. This is like a movie. It loves chains. It's really weird because this looks like a like a prison ship. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, they're they're basically catch up to Sonia as she's walking through these uh, this underground of this boat that seems extremely big, and that's when Shang Tsung comes out. 
and has a conversation with them and basically flirts with uh, Sonya. He seems into her, and that goes even weirder later on in the movie, but he seems into her, and he purposely seems to have want to get them in this room, and to nail this down, he virtually says he's the head of the tournament on the other side. Mm-hmm. And that, and then he says he threatens them by saying, I have, he doesn't say it, but the door opens up and two people come out. Now, this is where we're introduced to Scor- um, Sub-Zero and Scorpion. Scorpion and Sub-Zero, deadliest of enemies, but slaves under my power. Yeah, that's rad. We got <laughs> um, Matt, uh, what do you want to say his name? Scorpion's real name? I know you love saying it. Scorpion's real name is Hanzo Hisashi. My name is Hanzo Hisashi! You killed my wife, my son, and then you burrowed your way into my head, misdirected my vengeance, cost me my one chance to have them restored! And Baihan at this time would be Baihan Sub Zero, and that from the Lin Kuei. Lin Kuei. Um. Who are you? I am Sub Zero, Grandmaster of the Lin Kuei. So I like it. Okay. So these characters in the video games were virtually called palette swaps. Uh, they're very mocked in the community were very mocked at first and the creators of the game were very saddened by this that they were constantly getting mocked by this idea that they were just palette swapping lazily just not doing a character just changing the color but that's not really true it is true i mean just for a while. well the way they looked they did look like the same exact character but with one had blue on one had yellow on yeah and they had different moves but they were the same character and so they, they wanted to start changing up. As the games went on, they really started making these different. But at the same time, they started embracing this joke and doing it more and more, which is great. In the first game, there was an unlockable secret character, which was Reptile, which was just a green version of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the second game, we got Katana and Molina, which is another palette swap color of the same person, just different weapons. Yeah, but Melina has that nasty mouth. But you don't see that until the fatality. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And they, so that became more of a thing. And it got even worse because then they started getting Noob Sabon and Smoke. And they were just different color scheme versions of them. And they actually started embracing this. And the fans really started loving it. And I love that so much. But yeah, as these games came out, these characters have taken over the franchise. And... Now, Scorpion in particular is the one of the co-creators Ed Boon's favorite character, and this is very evident. He because voiced the, he, voiced he voices this, yeah. he's always voiced Scorpion's "Get over here," which mm-hmm. is his famous thing, his famous move favorite. and Can his I favorite say, thing. Get over here, perfect, right? It's good. It good. I've really been good. working on it. Uh, he voiced so again. They used his voice for him in this game. Uh, Sub Zero doesn't talk at all on this. And what's really kind of sad, especially since being a fan of the video games, 
one and two had come out and they were starting to give them lore slowly not a lot because of the arcade still didn't have like story mode but when you beat it each character had their own ending like mm-hmm. title card you had to read um but in this movie they very cheaply just say that Shang Tsung is taking them over he's controlling them yeah that's why their eyes are white well yes uh that constantly changes with Sub-Zero. His eyes constantly have no contacts in them, and they do, and they don't, and they do, mm-hmm. and they don't. It's, but uh, Scorpion is pretty good with it. Scorpion constantly has... I wish I knew the uh, two stunt performers here. Oh. They're, they're both great. Yeah, they're both excellent. They're really yeah. good. Um, they come out, and this is where I think we get our first taste of the bad CGI. Yeah, so, Unfortun- it's unfortunate. It's really cheesy. Uh, they decided to go the route of Scorpion having living hooks, like whip hooks that come out of his hands. They're inside of his body in this mm-hmm. uh, this interpretation of him. And so uh, this is the first time we see it. It is a living creature that's a spear that comes out of his palm. Yeah, that actor's name is Chris Casamasa, and he's done stunts on Bleed. Oh, okay. And he's done stunts on Batman and, and Robin. And is it the Scorpion one? And he's Scorpion, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they, they come out, and they do their amazing poses. The music is, as they come out, and they film them in slow motion, it is kind of rad. <laughs> it is. It is kind of rad. <laughs> yeah, it just, it just, they really set them up for being the badasses you kind of wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. But it's a shame that they're saying, he, I think, uh, Shang Tsung says, uh, uh, Scorpion and Sub-Zero, uh, bitter enemies, <laughs> but under my control, my slaves. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a kind of a cop-out way of writing them out of their amazing plotline. Because I, I think if people will agree with me on this, that their characters' storylines are the most incredible storylines in the franchise of the video games. Yeah. I think everybody's fascinated by their constant either rivalry or brotherhood, Mm -hmm. which I absolutely love. And a fun fact we should say here is because Joe and me uh, love each other, but we can never get along on anything. Round one, fight. She uh, picks Scorpion over Sub-Zero, which I love. So I'm a Sub-Zero fan and Joe is a Scorpion fan. And yet we stay married. Yep. This round two. This is just a running thing. I'm gonna. It's always gonna be this way, everybody. I mean, get over it. It's Godzilla not like Godzilla versus Ghidorah. It's gonna be forever. I mean, yes, I do. Yeah, I do. If I love something, Joe's gonna go. Yeah, I want that person to get punched in the face. Round three, fight. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, King Ghidorah is hands down just badass. I don't give a shit. Okay, it's a badass, most amazing looking kaiju on earth i don't care and he wins i don't care don't say that finish him he wins he wins sorry against the big guy he's gonna win he looks so badass in that last godzilla movie i can't even okay we're getting off track here fatality flawless victory well sub-zero versus scorpion so we have our two characters show up here and we see that like uh i guess uh Sub-Zero's way of showing his powers off is he grabs Sonya's gun and freezes it and breaks it in half. That's kind of cool. But uh, before they can attack them on behalf of Shang Tsung, that's where we meet Raiden. 
Raiden shoots in. And you know what? We actually butchered this because we meet Raiden we meet earlier Raiden in the film. earlier on, but he doesn't really hang around a lot. He just comes in and mumbles some crap and then walks. Yeah, in. because we, we forgot the entire plot that Liu Kang actually goes to... Uh, the temples, and they're actually filmed at these real temples. Yes, that's one thing I wanted to bring up is the, the uh, filming location that, that was right off the bat, pretty early in the film. Yeah. And uh, I asked you, I said, is that, that, I know that's not real. It's real, and they but... had a real bitch of a time filming there because they they could only get to it by boat. And so they had, like, canoes, and they had to put all the filming equipment on them to get them over there, and they had to build basically outhouses and shacks well you know on what? the side it, it was beautiful yeah it it's was, an, it's awesome looking it, it it looked fake like a painting yeah. so i was like okay if that's cg or you know special effects or whatever that's that's pretty good because i thought that was breathtaking to look at the temple and um you know this goes along with also because we're talking about location the set the set design was pretty good. In the I movie. love it. Yeah, and actually kind of nails some of the vibe and some of the ideas of mm-hmm. the the video games. Yeah, uh, this uh, this temple that they filmed at is is gorgeous, and the shots are amazing. Unfortunately, because I think uh, uh, Paul Anderson was is a little he was a little bit of a newbie at filmmaking mm-hmm. at the time. His uh, camera work is a little wonky here. He's like I think he's walking with the camera and it's shaking. While we're following into the temples, yeah, it, it's not great. It probably should have been on some kind of roll, you know, uh, like a track. Yeah, it should have been on something to get the shot nice. <laughs> but uh, it looks great, and I think that's where we, we meet Raiden with Liu Kang because Liu Kang is just not involved and doesn't believe in the tournament whatsoever. And we find out that Raiden, and this is another change, isn't an Asian actor. Christopher he is Lambert. Christopher Lambert. Yeah, and uh, it's from New York, and he's doing. A very deep. You know, he sounds like a little bit Christoph Waltz. Oh, he does a little bit. He, if you listen to his accent, he has some sort of accent going on, and he he sounds like Christoph Waltz. I don't think so. <laughs> he does. Okay, all right. It's That's what I was thinking through the He's whole thing. He's got that little bit of a French thing that he does with his voice. Yeah, it's it's weird because he he could not be farther from. Like he's a New Yorker. Yeah, it's he's an interesting actor. I, I he also um, came on the set and helped out, and he he was amazing on the set. I I I've read I've read that people said that he threw the after party. Yeah, I, I just read that too. Yeah, uh, he also uh, famously has um, incredibly bad eyesight, and didn't tell people on any of the movies he was working on, and he hit it. He was, like, virtually blind. Wow. Yeah, he kind of, like, hid it from people. And a lot of the times he had to have, like, he would learn his lines off. And he would, uh, that's why I think he was hurt on the Highlander films a couple times. Like, he was hiding some of his uh, his disability. It's really interesting. I'm trying um, to look that up. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. He is French. That's interesting. I, I'm looking at his personal life to see. Yeah, so I'm. We, myopia. Myopia. He shows up, and I kind of like his Raiden a little bit. I, I know you were, like, laughing about it, but, again, he was also told, told to ad-lib. And some of the ad-libbing that they left in is kind of weird for Raiden's character, but you could tell he was having a ball, and he loved it. I mean, yeah, he was having fun. I mean, he it was, was a little really monotone, but, like, he didn't really have a whole lot to do. 
It was just, he was just, you know, yes. gui- guiding, you know. Again, I think they actually asked his co-star from Highlander, Sean Connery. I, I don't know if this <laughs> to is do what? To be Raiden? What? This is a running joke <laughs> that Sean Connery was asked to be everything. He was asked to be Morpheus in The Matrix. I, I don't even understand any of that. I can't believe that. None of those things would have been good. Can you do a, a Sean Connery accent, but like a Raiden line? <laughs> do like a Raiden line with this? What, what would you say? Oh, oh, I can't do a Sean Connery. What, how is Sean Connery? What is that? Uh, Bolt it off, Sean Connery. Oh, yeah. Mortal Kombat has begun. <laughs> would you fatality? Oh, flawless victory. <laughs> It's terrible. Oh, it's so really wonderful. Bad. It's wonderful. Oh my god. You have to do I'm raiding the god of thunder. Something like that. Got off track real quick on this yeah, one. Yeah, where were we again? Oops. So we, on the ship, uh Subdeer and Scorpion come out, and before they can attack, Raiden stops them by becoming a living like lightning and shocking them against the walls and throwing them around the boat. Mm-hmm. And that's cute. The Johnny Cage and Sonya take this pretty well. <laughs> They're completely not affected by any by of watching it. a lightning bolt. Raiden comes. And he basically tells him, "Sorcerer, the tournament is where we fight. You can't do it before." And he's like, "You're absolutely right." So he leaves, and then he tells his three warriors, "You know, oh, follow me. I have to tell you something." And he like shoots into a lightning ball and runs out. And then they go, <laughs> "Okay, uh, yeah, all right." And I think Johnny Cage just says, that guy had a monster in his hand, and the other one froze <laughs> the gun. He's like, and now we're walking after a lightning ball? Like, what the hell is going on around it's here? It's like, I mean, Johnny Cage is the only one that seems moved by any of this. Yeah, it's Sonya's like, fine. Yeah, Sonya's, she doesn't ask a single question. I don't she think she what, does. No, no, she's she just really standing there it. looking pretty. Yeah, and you know what's funny? Luke Hank's fully on board now, because earlier in the movie, he's like, no, I don't believe that you're raiding the god of thunder. I think that's nonsense. It's mm-hmm. all bullshit. And now he goes, yeah, that's just raiding the god of thunder. <laughs> and they're like, huh? Like he's like, yeah, I've known him for years. Yeah, we used for- to go and play pickleball together. <laughs> I'm fine with it. You know, I just love that he's so on board with it. Um, yeah, and now this is where Raiden basically tells us the entire plot line. For 500 years, there's been a tournament for the, for the, uh, I don't know how to, uh, for the freedom of Earthrealm. Outrealm has been fighting Earthrealm in a tournament. No, they call it Outworld. What am I saying? Outrealm? I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's Outworld. I keep wanting to say Netherrealm, which. (laughs) Yes, it's very confusing. (laughs) Oh my God, it's so crazy. Yeah. Oh my God. Netherrealm is a thing too. It's so weird. Um. (laughs) What's the name of the company that puts out? Well, it was game? Midway, but later on they became Netherrealm. Oh my god! But yeah, um, yeah. So um, Outworld, so Outworld versus Earthrealm, and he says for five hundred years there's been a tor- there's been a tournament, and fighters enter this tournament to protect Earthrealm, and Earthrealm has lost nine, and this is the tenth one, and if we lose this one, Outworld will invade Earth and yeah. take it for its own. And there's no stopping them. I mean, this is high stakes here. This is some crazy... This whoever is... made this poker game for these two... I know, right? Yeah, This is realms. not just, you know, Liu Kang getting revenge for his fallen brother. That's what this Raiden is says. This is, like, for real, though, like, some 
you know, bitch, are you for real? <laughs> yeah, I love this line because I think Raiden says, uh, the stakes of billions are on the line. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. He does that. He does that joke. And it's like, that is odd. And he's yeah. Like, the lives of billions are on the line. I mean, it, it is a pretty high, high stakes it. thing. And like, nobody's reacting to it as though it's high stakes. Like, um, the whole fate of the world depends on this tournament. But to be fair, being told that, you'd be like, this is bullshit. You guys are fucking with me. What the fuck? Not happening? after I saw Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Or I'd be like, Raiden okay, some shit's lightning. going down. Yeah. I'd be like, uh, yeah, some shit's going down. This is, this is not normal behavior. These are not normal human beings. This something's up and everyone's trying to kill them yeah and and raiden says to him he says to all three of them and by the way all of the other combatants all the other earth realm warriors have joined this tournament mm-hmm. are nowhere to be seen nope and raiden doesn't give a shit about talking to them no he only talks to the main three he for some and this is the ones that shang Tsung picked right i don't know it. why it's so weird but uh, he, Raiden basically hammers this in. This is the point. He goes, this is a lot more than revenge, your enemy, and your fame to the three of them. And he's like, it, it's a lot more than that. Everybody's lives on the line. And you're the best chance that we have. It would have been funny if Johnny Cage just said, look, bro. You know, that's not what I signed up for. I'm going to go back to Hollywood and be a movie star. Peace out. That would have been great. I'm going to take my matched luggage. I'm going to get back on that ship. Because, like, nobody reacts to this. Yeah. And, I mean, again, I would also be very hesitant. Like, that's, there's no, what? Like, how, what, why, why am I just being told about this at the last minute? Right. Like, this is the 11th hour. We're about to compete in this tournament. And people are trying to kill us. Yes. And this is for the death. And, and this is literally for Earth. This is for Earth's survival. Yes. <laughs> you think that would be, like, trained. I mean, Johnny Cage is like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, those are $500 sunglasses. Uh, excuse me, dude. The whole fate of the world depends on, you know, this. Uh, right then is where he says, oh, it has begun. Because the sky starts going nuts. And we see... Shang Tsung at the top of the boat going, it has begun. <laughs> and uh, there's like souls flying and we see like CG skulls flying everywhere. And uh, but that, they, that it looks bad. It looks bad. The special effects there. Again. Yeah. It's it's in this realm of the 90s where they're just trying to do some weird CG stuff and it's not yet there. And it's just amazing that this is the same time period as Jurassic Park. I know. You know. It, it's mind-blowing sometimes it's when crazy. you think about that. Uh, so, yeah, we get, uh, basically, we they get to where they're going. And they go to, um, it's a, like another temple-type place. And they go in to eat. And all the people are brought in and sat down at tables that look like the Hogwarts meeting tables. And everybody gets, like, the sit of food. But before anybody can eat, uh, Shang Tsung's like, this is uh, what you're in for. And a bunch of soldiers come in and they make them all get off the seats and then they flip their tables of food and somehow clean the floor so we can have a fight. (laughs) Because now Sub-Zero comes in to fight a guy and we get like a show-off little stance moment where one guy's just doing the entire Indiana Jones with the sword. Mm -hmm. And he's flexing his muscles and then um, Sub-Zero's just standing there waiting. 
And then when he finally goes to jump kick him, he's made an ice ball. Yep. And he shoots this guy, and he turns into ice, and he hits the wall and blows up. And this is where everybody's like, holy crap. You know, like... Like, I want more of this. This is crazy. Yeah, I know, right? But, yeah, uh, basically, this is where the character's starting to believe it a little more. But uh, so- Sonia doesn't give a shit. She's like, I want Kano, and I don't care about it. She's else. completely um, emotionally Hell removed bent. from what's happening and, like, the stakes here. She just wants to kill Kano. Yeah. And I'm like... Part of me is like, oh, okay, girl, like get you know, get over your grudge. This is bigger than that shit. Yeah. But it's, and I'm, then I had to stop and think. I'm like, this is, this is a ridiculous 1990s movie. Like, I'm trying. I'm thinking too hard. Like, why? Why should she care? She's. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. You know, but we were also told that uh, they might fight. The Earthrealm champions might fight. Outworld's champion, Goro. Yeah. Now Goro looks Prince like Prince Goro. Uh, yeah, Prince Goro. He he looks like a. Well, you haven't seen him yet. Yeah, but we're told about him. We're yeah. And I think that's where the characters go to look for Kano because they're basically worried about Sonya going off on her own in this crazy ass place that they're at, which is like on another plane. Okay, so I don't know where they are. It's like a, a crazy temple with like lots of like underground. There's like layers like upon layers. Layers and layers of like underground with like there's like some fire down there and like some pits down there and and lots and lots of sharp things. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what? <laughs> I she for... doesn't give a shit. She doesn't. She's roaming around. She's roaming, just spider webs, skulls everywhere. Yeah. Uh, we forgot to mention when they finally got off the boat, they had to take little boats. And that's why you wanted to say that Johnny oh my God, falls yeah. in the water. Johnny, first of all, this is my one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I laugh really hard. When they get out, he gets off the boat. They had to take their, their little uh, like rowboats to get to shore. And... This rowboat can hold like two people comfortably, but also Johnny Cage's matched luggage with like 17 pieces of luggage that he's holding himself. He has like literally all 17 pieces and he steps out of the boat like you're thinking he's going to step onto the shore and, you know, go where he needs to go. And he steps into the water and just literally falls into the water with all his luggage. Face plants right into the water. It's great. So like, I'm wondering, (laughs) the next scene, you don't see that luggage again. No, because he's climbing the tower and he's (laughs) dropping it all. Remember? (laughs) You see him climbing basically like the steps from ace ventura 2 yes with the luggage and he's dropping you see all the luggage all falling down the stairs like slinky and you hear luke (laughs) kang say do you need help with that after it's all gone so he's like basically left with the clothes on his back so great and no one else brought anything either (laughs) no because they're all in the same outfit i mean luke kang luke kang is literally shirtless through the whole goddamn movie he just has baby oil slathered all over his chest absolutely absolutely um <laughs> it's so great uh so yeah um they go off and sneak around and they find they find kano and they find kano eating at a giant thing now first off kano is eating a comical chicken leg like a turkey leg yes it's huge and he is sloppily eating this greasy it's like, thing it's all over him it's like one of those things like in movies where you know especially in like movies that take place in like medieval times or like castles or yes. whatever where there's like a huge ass turkey and like grapes on top of the cheese and like yeah, yeah. just 
comical food. It's like, oh, come on. This is so it's goofy. So, it's so goofy. And they gave him, like, this feast. This one guy, like, gets a feast like well, this. he's eating with someone else. And I think that's what... He's talking to somebody. And then they... Uh, Sonia sees Kano and goes, that's Kano. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not Kano we have to worry about. It's this other guy. Mm -hmm. And this is no guy. This is Goro. He and has four arms. Goro is a giant creature man with four arms like you said uh this is a million dollar animatronic that they he, built he looks like a like like a claymation turd that was like oh wow i think he looks amazing i don't think so i don't i don't Fuck. i don't know for an animatronic in the 90s this looks awesome I, he looked like a claymation like which a, he was in the video game by the way he yeah. was clay animation well yeah he that's what he looked like in this i i had no idea that he was animatronic i thought that he was you didn't think he was really there i no no really i didn't i thought he was like a claymation well, he's moving in their faces I, I and some of them like, actually touch he touches them at one point he picks a guy up I thought it was just like a special effect or something. I didn't think he was really there. Oh, I think it's I think it's outstanding. It's so movable that what they had to do, this thing, it broke down constantly in the movie. He was supposed to be in the movie longer, mm -hmm. but uh, because he kept breaking down, they had to keep figuring out ways to shoot around it. Oh, okay. So they had to keep trying to... This had to have like 17 puppeteers, and there was a guy inside this thing. Wow. And this guy could not breathe, so they could only film him for a few minutes and had to get him out of that suit constantly wow yeah uh i think it's outstanding i i think he kind of looked like now that i'm realizing you're telling me that this is like a, a like a puppet almost i so mean live it gives, size animatronic it gives it a little bit more yeah it puts things into perspective a little In but it? i mean i thought he was like a an animated like claymation thing like i'm not talking about clash of the titans bad <laughs> But I just oh. thought he kind of looked like a. I hate a that turn. you even called that bad. Uh, Ray Harryhausen, oh, amazing. You better stop. That that was great. That was like pioneering stuff. Right oh back no, in the day. I love it. But you know what I'm saying? Like I grew up on that too. But I'm just saying like that was back then. For back then, it was great. But yeah. when you think about it now, I still think it looks amazing you know, comparatively to some of the CG characters like. Jar Jar Binks. I, oh I, God! I'd take any of this stuff over that stuff. I, I, I what? I love this scene. In this scene, we get to see not only Goro talking, full movement of the face and mouth, but also he stands up and flexes four arms and fingers. It's pretty stellar when you stare at it. And what's really cool is he walks over to taunt Kano right in his face and slaps like a drink onto him. And I'm like. This must have took forever to film this shot. Like, yeah. I, I, I just think it looks great. And I actually think he looks really scary when he gets in his face. Mm -hmm. Like, he is, a, and he's like, a, you know, uh, a threat mm -hmm. when he looks at him. He just feels like you feel like he's going to kill you, you know? And, of course, this is where they're like, okay, we have to regroup and think. There's a friggin' monster, a four-armed monster in the room with him, you know? So uh, they basically, I think that Sonya finally agrees. We have to regroup and think out what we're going to do. Yeah. But still, like, she's unmoved by seeing Goro. She's just like, yeah. oh, okay, that's that's a thing. I think around this area, Luke Kang sees Katana for the first time. Yes, he sees Katana. Princess Katana. And she's so pretty. This actress, Talisa Soto. Um, she is so pretty. She She's actually 
wandering about down in the uh, like caverns or whatever. Well, I think she's sitting under an umbrella or something. She stares at Liu Kang for a bit, and I think uh, Shang Tsung sees that they are like exchanging glances. Yeah, and I think that he says to a statue, "We have to follow her closely. She's cunning. She's a threat, Princess Katana." reptile watch her closely and i think this is another where we get the bad cg again yeah this is a really shitty green lizard like creature that is reptile in yeah and he could just he can disguise himself he can uh go camouflage yeah and... the greens on this character is like so cartoony yeah he, it looks just, very cheesy he looks, he looks like a gecko he, he's gross he can turn into statues yeah and he runs off like he's given the mission to watch uh, Katana. But yes, they see Katana and I think that they want to meet up with her to like get information. Mm-hmm. Well, she's 10,000 years old. They make mention of that. I, I don't know if, when that is told. I think that might be later. But yeah, she gives a lot of details to the characters. But they go around because uh, Johnny Cage says he can smell her perfume and he knows exactly where to go. So they go down to the caverns, right? They think they're following her, and they see they see her um, down one cavern, and so they're like, "Oh, Luke King's like, I'm I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to yeah. follow her." And so then you see them, and they're going through these this maze of like spiderwebs. Spider webs. Like the spiderwebs are literally covering the archways, so that you there's like no break in the spiderwebs. Like you're literally it's just spiderweb after spiderweb, and they think that they're following this woman. They're they're following her and they can smell her perfume. But I said to you, I'm like, how the fuck did, did she go down this particular corridor without breaking the without webs. breaking the spider webs? Like that makes no sense. Yeah. Like what kind of dummy are you, Johnny Cage? Like you're literally following her. You think you think you smell her perfume? How did she come through here? All of these cobwebs are intact on each and individual archway so like funny. you can't be following her she would have had to break broken those those cobwebs to get through here like he's just so stupid well, what's really funny is they show they, they end up exactly where they started in the dining room yep the same <laughs> and uh this is when they get attacked by armed guards yep and they have a little cool little the music starts up again and they have a cool fight scene and they do a lot of posing and they make them look like badasses without really having to do much, mm-hmm. especially uh, Sonia. Yeah. Yeah, it looks good, but there's like a hundred soldiers, and somehow we've seen that Raiden didn't come in with them, but now he's there and he stops all the soldiers from fighting them. Yeah. And says that they're kind of breaking the rules. They're not allowed to fight outside of the tournament. Mm-hmm. They have to only fight in the tournament and attacking them beforehand is breaking the rules. You know, which is when I, I I totally asked you, I'm like, what's going on? Because Sub-Zero and Scorpion are fucking with them big time and they're not at the tournament. So I was like, what's going on? Because yes. usually there's an audience at the at the tournaments. And Oh, yeah. And there's, that's a problem in the movie that there some of the tournaments are not tournaments. They're just off somewhere. It's like. Is this like Hunger Games being videotaped somehow? Or right. is someone watching this? Like, yeah. How do you know what's happening? So, yeah, that was like confusing to me. I was like, because, you know, Johnny Cage, what happens with him? Yeah. So I was, I was confused. But yeah, uh, basically, um, Raiden comes to their aid and tells them they have to step it up and they have to watch. And 
and they start getting like tips like the the how to fight and how to pay attention to things a little better and i think we get a uh, a tournament where we see goro fight that other fighter that came with them oh yeah who was that i don't know the i don't know the character's name because it's like a nobody character he's just another fighter he's the only other warrior that went with them that had like some lines yeah he uh fights goro and gets instantly killed yep and this is also where we see that shang sung takes the souls of the people yeah so he counts on goro to to kill these people so that he could take their souls yeah and also uh Liu kang also has a match against a uh fighter uh, and, and that fighter, when Liu Kang beats him, uh, Shang Tsung takes his soul. Mm-hmm. And we also see a scene where um, he tells Sonya, uh, Shang Tsung says, you're up, Sonya's going to be in a match. She has a first match. And he says, I, I, I got a present for you. And she, she says, I don't want anything from you. And he's like, this is just what you, something you do want. And you can thank me for it later. And it's because he's matching her up with Kano. Yeah, which she wins that fight pretty fast. Kano gets his ass kicked. I mean, he he gets destroyed in yeah. in seconds. Like it's over in seconds. It's real quick. Yeah. So that that was her and she got her revenge. But um yeah, so then um Sonya Which is kind of wild because you think that the lesson would be not to get the revenge to try to just win the tournament? Because I think Luke Kang doesn't want to kill anybody. Yeah. I don't think he does either. I just think he wants... But he, he does want revenge on Shang Tsung for killing his brother. Yes. I mean, that's his main focus. Just like we were talked about earlier. Like, they don't even care about Earthrealm or anything. Well, I think after this, I think when they see Goro kill that guy, they're, like, fully invested in getting revenge. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy, because they all have these setups to, like, learn instead of doing the things that they're doing. And as we start getting more and more of these, con- like these contests or the, or the actual tournament... We start seeing, like, I think we also get a scene where Johnny Cage has to fight Scorpion. And it starts out in the woods, and it's a beautiful shot. I actually love the way this is filmed. The trees look really nice here. It was There's actually like rows my and rows of trees. Yeah. But again, Scorpion's uh, spear attack, his hook attack thing, is very CG. And it's like this creature's face. And it it, at one point, it yeah. smashes into a tree, and it looks like it's not even in the tree at all. It just looks like I'm put a little stain on it. Yeah, it, it it's very goofy. Yeah. It's a, it's very but, goofy. What's great about this scene though is Scorpion has a lot more dialogue this time around than his normal video game dialogue of "Get over here, Cooper." He, he says, "Get down here, get, <laughs> get over here, down yeah, here. get back here." <laughs> it's so great. It's all variations of "Get over yeah, here." It's pretty much <laughs> "Get down here." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's my favorite. I love this fight scene. Uh, I think the um, actor playing Scorpion got very hurt here. He actually ran into a bar and hit his chest very badly. And I think they had to like shut down for a little oh bit. Oh my God. Yeah, it's in one of the scenes of, I think, when he falls into the bars. You can actually see him hurt. Well, I saw him. Yeah, he, fall into the, he fell into the bar. But then also his feet, his ankles hit a, a piece of like um metal also when he did his flip like johnny was fighting johnny cage in the uh, underground and it looked like he got hit like really hard uh i actually dig this scene although it doesn't make much sense that he actually scorpion even teleports him to like a hell dimension that looks like it's at the bottom of the video game's pit stage and it's very strange because 
I don't know how Johnny gets back from here, but Johnny is able to beat Scorpion when he goes into his uh, skeleton form. Mm -hmm. And he's able to take a shield weapon and block the fire blast and then cut him his head in half. And the best part about this is they they use a joke from the second game's friendships where uh, a character in the video game uses like a joke friendship instead of a fatality, which was their way of mocking the fact that everybody's complaining about the blood. So they were like, oh, if everybody's complaining about the blood, hey, why don't you do a babality or a friendship? You know, if you're going to cry about it, be, do a baby thing or do a friendship, <laughs> you know? And so uh, Johnny Cage's is a great joke where he throws an autographed picture of himself that says, uh, to my biggest fan. Yeah. And uh, when Scorpion dies, that falls into his uh, burning body. Yeah, it was great. That was I, fantastic. I, I love that whole that. scene. It was like my favorite scene in the movie. Wow, okay. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we're basically, like, the tournament is going quick. Like, you just get a bunch of the fights. I think Katana tells a story about how she was, um, she was a princess and she was... Uh, her mother was taken by the 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 Shanks um like Shao Kahn, which is the 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 leader of out um Outworld, and he she is the daughter of him. Uh, and, and her mother's uh, Sindel, right? Yeah, they don't mention her in this, but they say that her mother, you know, uh, is married to him, and then she's the the princess. But she doesn't actually believe in what's happening in the tournament, and she's ten thousand years old, and her and Liu Kang are definitely having some kind of romance setup, but it is apparently was in the script that they dropped it. Uh, I think the actor who played Luke Kang said there was a whole bunch of stuff that the romance was going to be a bigger thing, and that Katana was supposed to be in a lot more of the movie with fight scenes and stuff. Yeah, I would have liked to see out. her, yeah. um, you know, in the fight scenes, but the romance thing we don't we don't need that. Yeah, it, it's a it could help to establish a little bit more stuff, but but that's just for later on that we know happens between the two of them. Yeah, I guess so. Kind of. You know, like in the games. But otherwise, like if we already have a budding romance, which is Sonya and Johnny Cage. It was also isn't well set up. It just kind of happens. Yeah. They're kind it, of like just at each other's throats in that way where it's like cute. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. Uh, 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 Luke, uh, Katana virtually tells him that he, uh, uh, Luke Kang, that he's going to go through stages of things. And then he has to look out for ways to beat the stages that he's going to face. Mm -hmm. And one of the things is that uh, use um, what gives life to win a fight. And so he has to fight Sub-Zero. Mm -hmm. And Sub's, this fight's great too. Uh, I, I, I think the actors are really good. The the stunt the stuff stunt, is great. The, the fight oh, yeah. choreography is amazing. Amazing. Uh, but for, unfortunately, Sub-Zero punks out and uses a like some kind of aura ice aura around himself to grow in the room to freeze Liu Kang. Mm -hmm. But Liu Kang realizes that the thing that will keep him alive is a bucket of water throwing it at Sub-Zero, which would make an ice, like a like a like huge, huge icicle, icicle that goes through Sub-Zero <laughs> and kills him. Which you were questioning, like, why would ice kill a guy who makes ice and lives in ice? Yeah, I, I thought that was a little odd. It is odd. And you also laughing about how big the icicle got. I mean, yeah, because when he threw it at him, it came away flying out of the bucket. It was like the like size a, of a pencil. It was like a pencil, and then it became like an iceberg. Yeah, it became like a huge. It was like a, a steak, like a huge <laughs> it's steak. It's huge. It was, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, so it's that like was, the tip of a mountain. 
Yeah, that was the end of him. It was it just it was shocking how easy it was to take out Sub Zero and Scorpion in this movie. Yes. It was like, come on. You know, these guys are badass. Like they are, you know, people's favorites for a reason. Yeah. You know, and you kind of shit on them a little bit. I mean, Goro got more screen time. That's just me. Well, that's uh when the big uh, thing comes because Johnny Cage starts he's the first one that really steps up to say uh no, Earth has to be saved. Mm-hmm. And uh, Raiden's very happy. He's like, oh, he's finally starting to learn. And he says he doesn't want Sonya to get hurt. And he's afraid that she's going to have to fight Goro. And so he says, I'm going to go fight Goro because I don't want anything to happen to you. And she's like, I don't need to be saved, Johnny Cage. And then she's, he's like, no, you know, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't live with myself if anything happened to you. You know, the dialogue is very forced for two people who have not actually had a romantic connection, really. It, it isn't really established enough. It's not established enough for them to have this conversation. Like, why do you care so much about her? You don't know a damn thing about her at all. And vice versa. Like, you know, he's some, you know, according to her, I mean, what she's looking at is like a douchey Hollywood... You yes. know, actor. Yes. I mean, there's no real bonding connection between the two of them. So this dialogue was forced, and you could tell by Bridget Wilson's delivery of the line that it was like she couldn't believe she was saying it. It was kind of it, silly. It does come out of nowhere. I feel like uh, Johnny just likes her because he likes her, well, and I think that's his. It does fit his character, yeah. but it doesn't. It doesn't feel. Like a love romance type of no, thing. No, there's all. nothing set up really established there, but they yeah. hint to it, and like we know that because they're they get married and have Cassie Cage in the games and all that stuff that they do end up together, which doesn't come for many years. Yeah, after many this years. Movie, so, so yeah, but they could establish that a little bit if you wanted to go there with a love story, because theirs is a love story. But this um, kind of, I, I think mean, they're divorced in the video I game mean, at that they point. Are, yeah, but. Uh, but it it was a love story for a bit. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't um, matter. But Katana he... and Liu Kang, we know they end up together anyway. <laughs> okay. Spoiler alert. It doesn't. Not really. Even in the game either. It does nothing really. Happens well, they hint either. to it. It's just like it's just like budding romances with these two people. But yeah. Uh, so Johnny Cage decides to go fight Goro, which is another fun scene, where he is kind of figured out. I can be Goro with my brain. More than I, I have to with a, like fists. Mm-hmm. So he does a great thing where he does. Well, first off, Goro takes his sunglasses off. He actually puts his sunglasses on like the Johnny Cage we know. And Goro takes them off and smashes them. And that's when they start to fight. And Johnny does his signature splits. And <laughs> nut punches Goro. It was amazing. It's amazing. And Goro's reaction to it is great. And the, the I love the animatronic. Balls, yeah, you know? it was amazing. And then he's able to only trick Goro to come out and fight him outside on a cliff so he can trip him mm-hmm. and drop him over the edge. Yep, which is exactly what he does, but not before delivering the line, Those were $500 sunglasses, you asshole. Yeah, I, actually, he before he even says that, he says, This is where you fall <laughs> when he's hanging off the cliff and then he drops. Yeah. And then he says, those were $500 sunglasses. It was great. So Goro's out. Goro's taken down. And it basically, this is where it, it's up to Shang Tsung now. Mm-hmm. And he says, I have the right to choose champion. And I choose Johnny Cage. And they're saying, no, you don't, you get, you don't pick. Right. You know, he it, has to win it. And so he, 
basically comes up with a, a pact too with Raiden. Like, oh, I get to choose this and this. If uh, if Johnny Cage got to fight Goro, I have the uh, ability to choose who I want to fight and where I want to fight them. And so after he beats Goro, Johnny Cage, he kidnaps Sonya and says, I want to fight Sonya, and I choose the location, which is Outworld. So he takes her into the vortex of Outworld, where Johnny and Liu Kang can't get through right away. But... For some reason, Rain stops them from Raiden going. Rain stops them, yeah. I guess, I don't know why. He says that there's another way you can you can follow them. There's oh, If you look hard enough, you'll find a, uh, a, a person who'll lead you there, which is Reptile. Yes, but um, it's amazing because the next shot that they show Sonya, she looks like she stepped out of a Motley Crue video. This is it's amazing. Wild. It's amazing. Like they literally did her hair, her makeup. Um, they she's barefoot, but she's in this like leather bound dress, and it's so short. She, she looks like she's an Amazonian. She does. <laughs> It's like it's like Slave Sonia. It's Slave Sonia. And she's like right out of a freaking like right out of a Molly Crew. She video. even has like like smoky eye makeup. Oh my god, like there's a Sephora down there. <laughs> like what the f- like it's ridiculous. Like she looks so pretty and she already looked pretty, but you know, just being Sonia. But yeah. like who did this to her? Because I, I want to know which which person? Shang Tsung's a kinky bastard. Shang Tsung knows how to do makeup pretty well. I yeah, mean, it's and ridiculous. There's a lot of questions here about them being in Outworld and how, since they're there, you think that they would have other problems? Yeah. Like Shao Kahn. Yeah. Well, but they don't, no, no, nothing like that, which mm-hmm. is really strange. Um, but they do follow them. And it turns out that, and I think you laughed about this this whole line stuff with uh, Raiden. You laughed a lot about it. You haven't talked about it, but you were laughing during the rewatching of this. And uh, Raiden it basically is like, hey, there's one thing, though, that Shang Tsung forgot to mention. And then Liu Kang's like, oh, yeah, the champion that he picks has to say yes. And Sonya's not saying yes. And then Raiden's like, you've, you've learned everything I needed to teach you. <laughs> and you just started laughing like that was the teaching That was lesson? okay, thing. Just that you learned, you heard the rules of the championship. I mean, and like, <laughs> it's like, thanks for that, you yeah. idiot. I'm like, I could have figured that out by myself. There's nothing I can teach you other I than mean, listen. It's this common sense. <laughs> Good for you, Liu Kang. You like, listened. I'm like, Raiden, just get the fuck out of the movie at this point. I'm done with you. It's so funny. <laughs> He's like so. He like comes off as like some wise magi or something. It's not even wise. It's, ma- a- it's just like, hey, did you did you read the book I gave you? Okay, good. You're done. <laughs> Here's an instruction pamphlet. Yeah, yeah. Just take this pamphlet with you. You'll be fine. This is a box of IKEA furniture, and there's some instructions in there. If you get it together, you've won. You don't need to know another thing. Uh, so um, so they follow. They, they see Reptile, and they f- are able to follow him into Outworld. And uh, for some reason, they are able to... I think something happens where Reptile gets... Like, I guess Liu Kang gets him, and he falls into a statue. And the statue turns into a human being, which is Reptile. Yeah, but so he looks like 
Um, he's wearing the same exact outfit as Scorpion this, and Sub Zero. That's palette swapping that I was talking about that they're yeah. referencing here. So, he's the green Sub Zero Scorpion. Yes, yes, and it is a different person playing. Yes, yeah, and so. this is my favorite scene. This is my second favorite scene. <laughs> I I think this fight choreography is rad as hell. And now, what's a really fun fact about this? This was filmed after the fact. This this whole scene was only filmed because test audiences said there wasn't enough fighting in Mortal Kombat. Uh, well, and so they were I like, well, let's get another fighting. fight scene in there. And good for them because this fight scene rocks, I think. Uh, it's so funny that there's some reason when Scorpion and when Reptile's little creature gets put into the statue, becomes a full human being. And then they actually have the audio go, Reptile. <laughs> and then <laughs> Reptile jumps up. They start this badass music. And these two fight. He kicks Liu Kang so hard, he goes flying through a building. Yes, it was a really amazing fight. It and was an amazing fight. What makes this even more amazing is that the actor playing Liu Kang broke his ribs on the, on the one side of his body. During this fight scene. Oh, wow. And he did not want to tell anybody, but he told the fighter that he was fighting with that was playing Reptile. He said he was worried that if he told them, they would shut down production and he would hold everything back for longer. And he just wanted to get it done. So he told the actor playing Reptile, he said, don't hit me on the sun. Oh, wow. And they filmed it. So if you watch this scene and the stuff that he's doing... I don't know where he... Apparently, there's a part where he kicks him into the pillar, uh -huh. and you can see that he lands on one side of his body. I think that's where he breaks his ribs. Holy shit. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, it it looks wow. bad. Wow. You're, you're going to have to show me again. I like, was paying attention to it, but just the fact that how much physicality goes into this fight scene... Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful fight oh, scene. It's, it's just... It wow. sucks that he got hurt, but yeah, like, um, it, was, it was really awesome. But I love how... I, I mean, I don't get it, so you have to explain to me. Like, after he kicks Reptile through the wall, he goes back into the statue that he fell out of. Well, yeah, that, he, this like, fight it, scene's like, amazing, I, but yes, it does end with him finally bicycle kicking him, which is his signature move in the video Yes, games. but then he turns back into, a, a, like, a skinky, Not like... only because of that, but he also twirls through the air through the hole that Liu Kang made. He twirls. Yeah, he twirls. Like, literally slow-mo twirls. Slow-mo twirls outside of the hole. Somersault. And then falls on the ground as a statue and shatters. Yeah. And then well, Liu Kang is able to go out there and step on Reptile and smash him. Oh. I mean, it's just, what? You what? also didn't point out when they went past <laughs> one of the statues, there was a funny face in one of them. There was like a... A dead skull face in one of them that looked like googly eyes. No, I freaking laughed. I yeah, said, you didn't mention here. Shit. Yeah. yeah, it, it looks like, like the cover of Dead Alive with does. the little skeleton head in, yeah. the, in the eye, in the mouth. Oh my god, it was just, some of the things they did on this were like, oh boy. And then we also got another <laughs> CG scene here. Like, oh, I, I think that, uh, sorry, I think, I think that Sony is probably up in that tower. Mm -hmm. And then we get a whole uh, CGI tower crawl up. Yes. To a tower and go to the top. And that's when we see her in the outfit. And this is a really funny scene. We see this whole scene and basically she's like, I'm not going to fight you, uh, Shanks. I'm not going to fall for your tricks. My friends are going to come for me. And he's and then he's like, your friends aren't coming for you. And then the monk next to her goes, we're already here. 
And I was like, what? And it they were just outside fighting reptiles. Yes. Like, wait, and you, you got like a whole wardrobe change in that amount of time. You were able like, to beat monks, get up inside, go next to her. Take your place in line because they were all lined up just accordingly, like perfectly choreographed yeah. to be in line with each other. And they, they were just there. It was incredible. It's incredible. And so, yeah, so she looks like Slave Sonia. And then Johnny Cage makes a freaking joke about her outfit. And she's like, shut up. Just yeah. shut up. Which is like, naturally. Looking, I like your outfit. I like your dress. Yeah. But like, of course, in the end, we know that it's up to Liu Kang and Shang Tsung. Yeah, Liu Kang calls him out and says, I want to fight you. Yeah. At first, he wants to fight uh, Johnny Cage. But he says, no, you're fighting me. And uh, he's okay with it. Now, Shang Tsung in this fight pulls out every dirty move you can imagine. He he makes a whole bunch of ancient warriors for Liu Kang to fight. Liu Kang beats the shit out of those guys. Mm-hmm. And then, to top it down, Shang Tsung turns into his dead brother. Oh my god. Like, it, as if, like, he's taunting him and just being like, oh, it's it's me, it's your brother. But what's the point of that? I don't because know. It was like Shang Tsung he... was being nice and gave him a closure moment. I know. It's like, okay, the point is, but what if what if Liu Kang didn't fall for this and just punched you anyway and uh, yeah. just threw you into those spikes? Because, like, spikes come out of the ground. He which... raises spikes behind Liu Kang in this, the Mortal Kombat symbol dragon <laughs> in the like, shape of it, which is so funny. Like, he's going to throw Liu... Like, we know exactly one of you is going to land in yes, there. Yes, yes. But it's like, we know it's not going to be Liu Kang. Exactly. And so, like, it's just 20 minutes of just ass-kicking up there. And I'm going to tell you, the face acting on, on Shang Tsung oh, is fucking Jake phenomenal. Yeah, it's he's amazing. He's amazing. I absolutely love oh that my actor. God. I wish he was in more stuff. I, I was so gr- glad when uh, we watched uh, Man in the High Castle. He was like, yeah one of the best parts he's so good on that show but uh yes he is he's doing it up and he's got the leather on i mean he's amazing but yes luke king it's like not even a problem he just beats the living shit out of him and knocks him into the spikes and kills him which frees all the souls Yes, including his brother. And he gets to say bye to his brother. He gets to say bye to his brother so everyone gets freed yeah so that was a great ending um and then we see them all walking out of the temple after that. And somehow they're back in Earthrealm. And then uh, Raiden's like, You guys, you guys did it. You guys are the best. <laughs> I love you guys. I'm going to bring you out for some pizza and beer. Right. I swear to God. Like, that's the vibe I'm getting yes. from Raiden in this. He's putting his arms around him and he's like, Yeah, you knuckleheads. He reminds me, of, like, without having the, the dialogue, obviously, but he reminds me of the dude. <laughs> He's just like so yeah, laid back. You gotta swear so much, Raiden. Yeah, like something. Like that. Uh, oh my god! Yeah. It was just, uh, yeah. And then we get the mother load of tacked on, uh, because they think that this movie might be successful. They get the tacked on sequel bait, where the temple explodes, and you get your boy Frank Welker doing his uh, claw. Yes. His claw he, voice from Inspector, from Inspector Gadget. Gadget. Here's one for the road, Gadget. Frank, okay, first of all, can I just chime in just real quick and say that Frank Welker is a national treasure. Yes, yes. Okay, he is a, the voice actor to end all voice actors. He has been doing Freddie Jones for 40 plus years. Um, he now does Scooby-Doo, the voice of Scooby-Doo. Um, he, he did Dr. Claw. Like, I mean, it just does not end for Frank Walker. It's not even that. If you've ever seen a movie where there's a voice, uh, uh, an animal 
mm-hmm. they needed someone to do the voice, the animals' vo- or like uh, noises. Mm-hmm. It was him. Yep, yeah. he is it's literally. Incredible. I can go on for days about this man, but he is a national treasure. So, and if you hear a, a good voice, um, you know, a voiceover in any cartoon or whatever, chances are it's him. Yeah, it, he's a legend. Yeah, but I will say that what an odd choice of voice for <laughs> Shao Kahn to do this. You know, it's like so bad. It's it's not even that. I'm not even doing it justice because he's like, I can't do it. It's a bit deeper. Weak, pathetic fools. I've come for your souls. Yeah, it's like all, it's really crazy. I'm trying to like remember how it sounds. Yeah. But, uh, well, we know that he's coming out at the end. So, oh no. And then they like, they do their strike pose. Like yeah. they're going to fight him. Yeah. He goes, I'm going to eat your souls. Eat your and then now Raiden goes, I don't think so. Uh, uh, oh no, you didn't. <laughs> Cue the music and end the movie. And end the movie. So can we go on to our segment now of why we can't have nice things? Well, did you want to review it first? Because I thought that you wanted to do that. Well, and then yes. Get into that. So this is my second viewing of this movie. Oh, ever? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Second. First was with me see... as well. well. Yes, you okay. made me watch this movie. So you never saw it when it released or later um, on in video or anything? No. I rarely went to the movies. Um... You know, back then, like, unless it was, like, some major, major, like, you know, Jurassic Park or... The, hey, that came out in 1994, please. I and, know, that's uh, what yeah. I'm saying. It was the uh, year before this movie. Yeah, The Crow, I did see it um, because a graphic novel. But anyway, so I, when I, on first viewing of this movie, I gave this a six. And I thought that this movie was a lot of fun. There was so much CG, like, crap in it. Line delivery was... Nee. It's corny. But it's very corny. But overall, I had a great time with this. Like, there wasn't a moment. And like, you know, we always say on our podcast, we have seen some crap. Yes. But it wasn't like any of the crap, you know, that I could say, I'm going to give this a three or a four. Like, it was not that bad. This movie was fun. The stunts were really good. They were really fun to watch Liu Kang, especially that actor fighting. Liu Kang, he's, a, he's awesome. Yes. I mean, I could watch him fight for days. Yep. He was great. Um, and he has good, he's got a good presence on screen. He does. He does. I would say that so does the actor playing Johnny Cage. And of mm-hmm. course, Shang Tsung. Yeah, I thought that they all, I think the casting in this was was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, so much that they changed the video games going forward after this movie. Yeah. So I, I give it a six. What about yeah, you? I mean, the question is usually, is this a bad movie? And I would right. say no. No, I don't think this is a bad in movie. In fact, I would say that when you talk about video game movies and people say there is no video game movies that are good, I always say that, first off, I don't believe that. Second off, this is like one of those gold standards. This is like the goat of the original video game movies. For the, I would say that the first 20 video game movies until the re- previous, like years right now, yeah. into 2000s, the late 2020s and stuff like that. This was the one movie that I always said, this is a good video game movie. This gets... They, this actually kind of gets it. And yeah. it, this is a good interpretation of what the first game was trying to do. And it's fun. Yeah. And yes, is it stupid? Absolutely. Is it corny and some of the CG really stale? Sure. Mm-hmm. But I, ha- I, it's a blast to watch. It's a fun little movie that has some really funny lines. And it's responsible for shaping the games. So 
I think that that's a plus plus to me. So and I, I still give it a six. Okay, same. Yeah, okay, good. Good. I, um, I get it. To me, like five is mediocre. So much so that I'll probably won't remember it. I'm always, there's lines in this movie I'm never forgetting. Like I, Johnny Cage in this movie is so kind of like iconic in everything that uh, the actor playing Shang Tsung mm-hmm. does. He's so iconic. In, in the last uh, uh, incarnation of the video game, they actually got these actors back and put them back into the video game as skins. And you can, and they actually did the voices and the dialogue. And just seeing this actor back as Shang Tsung after all these years, mm-hmm. still doing this, and him embracing it and doing the uh, the marketing, mm-hmm. it was amazing to see him loving it. Like, I like yeah, I love this character. I, I love like doing this, this actor, yeah. And he did it on stage again. Your soul is mine to all the fans. Yeah. And everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> Freaking out yeah. like it's amazing, you know. <laughs> totally nerded out. This truly is a magical moment because I feel Mortal Kombat has come full circle. That is the actor. Tagawa, who played Shang Tsung. And I'd love for you to elaborate more. Uh, Shang Tsung, Kerry Tagawa, is our first DLC character that we're going to have. So, yeah, now we're moving on to kind of our sixes. We're going to move on to a segment we call This is Why We Can't Have Nice Things. <laughs> Okay, so there are reviewers on IMDb. Some of them are absolutely ridiculous in their reviews. So there's extremes, right? Yeah, there's extremes, two extremes. So either they'll give it a 10 out of 10 or a 1 out of 10 without really giving this any thought and just, you know, blurting out silly stuff. There's no black or white. It's either shit or it's great. It's either shit or it's great. It's like, okay, come on, you know, think, yeah. think a minute. Just and this is why we can't have nice things. So this is us. why we can't have nice things. So, so I'm, I'm looking forward to these. Read you one of the one out of ten star reviews. The title of this one is Sigh. Paul W.S. Anderson's version of Mortal Kombat is silly, packed with terrible acting and dialogue. But most of all, it's so painfully 90s that it will hurt your eyes from beginning to end. Now... That's... I, I kind of I understand where that '90s uh, jab comes from. I get what they're getting at, but to say that it's still not enjoyable at all, right? That there's not a moment of it that they can enjoy. Yes, it's '90s. Yes, it is. Yes. It is 100 90s. I mean, it is. But... It literally is the '90s. You yes. can't blame them for only having what they had. But to do this with the good stunts and and the you know, what yeah, they had. I mean, scenes. they did the best that they yeah. could. I, I'm not, there's no way that this is a one. There's not a, there's no way this person can tell me that they weren't jamming out in their seat a little bit when the music's playing. Right, right. It just pumps you up. You're kind of into it instantly. Exactly. So, I mean, whatever. I mean, I mean, come on, man. Even if you hate it, at least a two. Come on. At least a two. Yeah. But this one's, I mean, and this is the other extreme. So it's 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And I chose this one. You'll see why. This is a, um, to this person, mm-hmm. it's gone with the wind. Um, to this person, it is a masterpiece. However, the title of this review on IMDb is "Awesome Ish." 
Oh, so already it's doesn't even make sense. Go ahead. No. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, it's not really a masterpiece of a film, but it's just so much fun. The characters are surprisingly deep. The techno music is the epitome of what made the '90s so cool, and the fight scenes are as good as any fight movie. Not an especially high bar to pass through. There's, I'm sorry, not an especially high bar to pass though. There's enough plot to make quite a logical flow. The CGI hasn't aged well, but this movie should should be awful. But it's certainly not. Okay, now. I mean, this reviewer doesn't even understand how it reviewed. Okay, excuse me. You don't even know how... Okay, you gave this a 10 out of 10, but you're saying that this movie is not a masterpiece. A 10 out of 10, sir, is a fucking masterpiece, okay? Learn how to review a movie. I don't... This is why I don't understand these reviewers. I don't understand why they can't get through their heads that there is a possibility that something can be fun and enjoyable and be a 6 or a 7. Right. So in this this person should have said, okay, this movie um, is, is, is a, a seven. Let's say seven. Yeah. Because this review that they wrote here would, I mean, it would push it to a seven. If you actually read the review that I just read, it sounds like it's, it's a seven. But this person is saying it's awesome-ish, but it, then again, it's a 10 out of 10. So... You're telling me in the beginning of your review, oh, it's not really a masterpiece. Okay, but a 10 out of 10 is a masterpiece. Yeah, exactly. And and the fact that the headline itself says it all, it's awesome-ish, which is already saying it's not awesome, but it's kind of awesome. It's already saying that I think this is lower. Yeah. But I I don't want to give it less. I feel like... You know, before you write stuff like this yeah. on online, use your noggin, okay? Like, think a bit. Like, if, if what is a masterpiece? If you're giving this a 10 out of 10, but it's not a masterpiece, uh, you've already gone to the top there, pal. Yeah, it, it really comes down to the fact that a lot of some people don't want to be negative toward a movie at all. And so they constantly go, I think it's great. It's a 10. And those are the kind of people that refuse to review anything lower, which is a weird phenomenon of people that just don't want to... But that person wanted to write a review, which blows my mind. I can understand if they just gave it a 10, but then to write a review to say, eh, it's not that great, but I still like it, so here's a 10 anyways. But you're calling it a masterpiece. Why even do it? Why even do that at all? Why even write the review? Right. What's the point? Yeah. What's the point? Get the fuck out of here, Sis Kane. Get out of here, Jaws Godfather. Yeah, get out of here, Psycho. Yeah, yeah get out of here, you fucking oh, pieces of shit. Yeah, get Mortal out of here, Kombat. Aliens. Get out of here, Aliens. Mortal Kombat Mortal is Kombat not a masterpiece, but it's still a 10. Yeah, it's 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 great-ish. Yeah, it's great-ish. Blow it yeah. out your ass. It's a classic-ish. I can't. You're making this all sound really simple, and it isn't. Yeah, it is. Anyway, on that note... Thanks, everybody, for listening to yeah. our review. Um, yeah, next week will be a disaster film. It is going to be fun. We're doing part two, which I have seen. We uh, we, I, we have seen that already. Yeah, we're talking about peak bad special effects. We haven't hit the wall yet. This is the worst special effects. And you shall die. <laughs> Isn't that how she says yeah, it? Yeah, that's perfect. Oh, God. Uh, I'm going to perfect it by next time. Oh. 
<laughs> thank you everybody for listening. I hope you had fun listening to us talk and rant about Mortal Kombat. Uh, uh, as always, please uh, hit us up on uh, Instagram at our social media pages or whatever the hell they're called at Crafty <laughs> Misfit. That's Joe, and I'm just another movie night. And uh, as always, you can always tell us if you want to hear a theme that you want us to do for a month. I'd love to hear that. I, I would love to do that. Or if you hate Mortal Kombat and you're with this guy that's awesome-ish, tell me. Yeah, I would love to hear from awesome-ish. I would love to hear from anybody. The awesome-ish or the worst movie ever made is Mortal Kombat. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I would love to hear from that. That's why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have nice things. But I think that you guys talking to us is nice things. So please do it. All right, have a good one. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Katana went this way. I can smell a perfume. Bullshit. Outstanding. <laughs> nice dress. <laughs>